The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Good morning, Summit Church, and thank you so much for joining us online today. It's Mother's Day, and I know that this day is not one that is super great for many people, but we all do have mothers, good, bad, indifferent. We have them, and it is a day where we should celebrate them. So since we are still relatively confined, there is a high likelihood that you are sitting near your mom right now. So kids, if you're watching, if you're listening, uh, I want to tell you exactly how to do this. Now, everyone of us is a kid to someone, right? So uh, if your mom is a thousand miles away, I, I want you right now to do something to let them know how much you care and how much you love them. If you're having to send a text or if you're having to walk over and wrap your arms around them and you don't know what to say, just kind of start with the story. Start at birth. Thank you, mom, for giving me life. Thank you, mom, for feeding me and changing me. Thank you, mom, for helping me grow up and get through school and do the math that I know now you did not want to do. Thank you for giving me the haircuts that never looked good, but you you cared enough to try. Thank you for making sure I stayed in school. Thank you for allowing me to have a future. Thank you, mom, for always being there for me. Something like that would be probably good enough. If you want me to go back over that, I'm not going to, but you can pause and rewind and just script that right out into a text message. Send it to your mom. Let her know that you love her because moms are so precious. In general, God had a great plan for moms and the family was supposed to be this beautiful instructing unit where kids grew up and flourished. And I know that's not everyone's story, but today on Mother's Day, what I want to do is I want to look at a passage of scripture that gives some guidelines for the home and how children are to be raised in the home on this Mother's Day in a way that leads them not towards huge success in life necessarily, but to the greatest success, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, we are with Solomon again. If you were with us last week, we had a passage out of Ecclesiastes. Today, it's a passage out of Proverbs. Solomon wrote this book, a wise man. He'd seen it all, and we're in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, they despise wisdom and instruction. Hear my son, your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teachings. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and an ornament around your neck. Now, I want you to see verse 8 in particular, because we're going to repeat it four or five times throughout this message as we make different points about verse eight. It's the central theme of today's message. It gives us that outline, that blueprint for how husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, families are supposed to live together, relate together, grow together, cherish Jesus together. And so the first thing I want to say is that the family is God's basic school for instructing children how to live in this world. Let's read just verse eight again, as we will multiple times. Hear my son, Solomon's writing this letter to his son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. The father is supposed to be the instructor and the mother is supposed to be the teacher. Now, if you look at those words in the Hebrew, Okay, if you look at them, the instructor is similar to the idea, honestly, of the wisdom of the Lord. Okay, so the father is a spiritual head of the household. He is supposed to impart spiritual wisdom into his children. The teacher, the mother, if you look at that word, it's the same as Torah. 
the law, okay? So the mother is supposed to impart the teaching, isn't supposed to impart the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Now, can those roles flip and flop? Are they actually very similar? Yes, yes. But because the text says what it says, I, I want to use those terms throughout the rest of today. Fathers, you instruct your children. Mothers, you teach your children. That is the school that God designed for children to be raised up in the Lord. Families are where kids learn the ropes. They're shaped by the way that we do family. And those of you who unfortunately were raised in very broken families, you, you had to overcome that. Or maybe you didn't, but the family is the breeding ground. It's the teaching ground for what will come in our future. And for those of you who had amazing families, fathers who instructed and mothers who taught, you see the fruit of that. You're living proof of the fruit of this structure, of this model. Now, parents, before you become completely overwhelmed today and go, could we have just done something a little bit more lighthearted? You can ask for help in this. Most people do. In fact, I think the most well-rounded children have other voices in their lives. They have caregivers, relatives, daycares, schools, the church, our children's ministry. If you talk to our children's pastor, Matt, he has more resources for you to help instruct and teach your children than you could ever possibly use, ever possibly use. So this is not just all on you to figure out, but it is your role and it's one that you need to step into. And when it comes to the other voices that are going to instruct and teach your children, I encourage you parents to prayerfully think through who those voices are going to be. Are they going to teach and instruct in the same way with the same passion? Are they gonna teach and instruct with the same guidelines and rules that you are going to teach and instruct? Those children are your blessing. They are your gift from God. You, you have been given them to steward and grow them. Who you let speak into their lives matters. And it's something that we should take very seriously. But that's why we encourage everyone to be a part of a church family because hypothetically, it's not perfect because we're humans, but hypothetically, that is a place where you don't really have to worry that what you're gonna get is godly, good teaching and instruction. The foundation, the foundation of family instruction must be fear of the Lord. Now we don't use that phrase very often, but let's read verse seven again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So how do we unpack that? Well, oftentimes I just do it very simply and I say, okay, replace fear with awe. The awe of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But I, I wanna take it a step further here. I, I think what this is saying is that in order for us to have any kind of wisdom, in order for us to impart wisdom upon our children, it takes one fundamental knowledge and belief. And that is this, that there is a God who created everything and in him is complete and total wisdom. And you are not God. If you read the, ver the rest of verse seven, it says that fools, they despise this kind of instruction and knowledge. They don't want to buy into the fact that there's someone out there that's bigger and greater than them. They don't wanna buy into this thought that there is someone who actually has control of their life. The Bible says those people are fools, but the beginning of wisdom godly wisdom is to know that there is a God who is in control and there is a Jesus who is more than enough. And that is the foundation parents. Yes, do we need to teach biblical truth? Absolutely. Do we need to teach sound doctrine? Yes, wonderful, great. Do we need to teach ABCs and one, two, threes? 
Yes, yes, your child desperately needs to know those things. But if there's one thing that I want to impart in my children and, and parents, it's never too late to impart in yours. There's a God who is bigger than them. And if they want to be wise, if they want to be fruitful in this life, if they want to know what true life is, they're going to need to acknowledge that God and surrender their life, their, their feeble, just mist of a life. They're going to need to surrender that life to that God who created them and knows what's best for them. They're going to have to realize they don't know everything. And I know that's hard even for adults. They don't know everything, but he does. So that understanding of who God is, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's what Solomon wants us to know. And parents, number one rule of leadership, and I do not consider myself to be a leadership guru in any way, but it is simply this. You cannot lead someone to go somewhere you've never been. If you start imparting this truth into your children, but it is not at the core who you are, they're going to see right through it. So it always begins with you. If you want to lead them somewhere, you've got to be there first. You've got to understand that God is bigger than you, that his wisdom is better than yours, that his ways are untraceable. You've got to believe that. You've got to have faith that he is in control and that Jesus is enough. And then you begin to instruct your children in that. At whatever age you want to begin to teach it, in whatever terms you want to begin to teach it, because that is the beginning of knowledge. Under God, both fathers and mothers share the responsibility of this family instructing. Verse 8 again. Hear my sons, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. It does not say fathers instruct and mothers change diapers. It's not what it says. It doesn't say fathers check out and let mom do all the work. It's not what it says. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say parents get a pass because you're busy providing food for your family and we'll let the church do that. It doesn't say that. It doesn't give you a pass. It says fathers instruct and mothers teach. You share this responsibility. Now, to the broken family, what, there is no father here. There is no mother. I'm doing it on my own. Are my kids ruined? Is, is there no hope? No, no, no. It's just going to be doubly hard. Is, is this an equation? Father plus mother equals good kid? No. It just means that's the best way. It's the best way. It's the easiest way. But if there's just a mother or there's just a father, you can still do it. Why? Because you're imparting in them the knowledge of God. This isn't everything. This isn't overwhelming. This is the idea of laying a foundation for your children. You can do this on your own. It's just best, and the single parents out there are actually saying amen right now. It's best if you have someone to share it with you. And even sadder is the couple who one of the parents refuses to engage in this discipling of their children. You're in it together, parents. You're in it together. Tow your rope. Do your part. It will pay tremendous eternal dividends for your children. You share this responsibility. How do you do it, Todd? How in the world am I supposed to make sure that my child grows up to fear the Lord, to know the Lord, to know that God is in control and Jesus is enough? What do I do? I have one simple Simple task for you. Live it out. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. 
Paul says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, talking about Timothy, his spiritual son in the faith. That faith that's in you, it was first dwelt in your mother, our grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. It was passed down generationally from grandmother to mother. Do you see that? The father's not even being mentioned in here. But this faith that Timothy possesses, this amazing leader within the early church, grandma had it, gave it to daughter. Daughter had it, gave it to son. Son will pass it on. How did that happen? He lived under the roof of a mother that loved the Lord. The faith that Timothy possessed, he saw lived out in his mother's life. Your faith cannot save your children as much as we want it to. It can't save them. You can't transfer it, but it can radically impact them. If they see true and genuine faith in Jesus, in you and through you, that will resonate with them. And it is the best Bible lesson they will ever receive. Live it out. Look what Timothy says again, or Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You, however, this is Timothy. He's talking to Timothy. Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Why? Because your mother taught them to you. And these are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation, which is always through faith in Christ Jesus. All right, the scriptures were taught to him. So Todd, you said, all I have to do is live out my faith. It doesn't say anything about having Sunday school every day or, or devos or anything like that. Those are wonderful things, things I'm trying to institute in my own family, things that Paige is instituting in our family. Your children need to know the scriptures. But here's more important than them understanding or knowing the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that they have a biblical worldview, that they understand how to see the world and engage with the world and understand what makes them distinct from the world. Okay, a biblical worldview mandates that we understand the gospel and what makes a Christian distinct from a non-Christian. And many of us get this wrong. So I want to unpack this very carefully here. Here is what does not make a Christian distinct from a non-Christian. Many think that what makes a Christian distinct is good choices, good behavior or moralism, or good doctrine. That's what many people think is what makes a distinction between Christians and non-Christians. That's simply not the case. If you pare it all down at its most basic level, what makes a Christian distinct from a non-Christian is a heartfelt passion for Jesus. And parents, we mess up all the time by teaching our children a biblical worldview that says, what God desires most from you is for you to make good choices. What God desires most from you is for you to think good thoughts. What God desires most from you is for you to make sure and have these sound doctrines. We teach our children that. We teach them legalism, moralism, and most of the New Testament is written to teach us that all that will lead to is condemnation and death. But yet that's what we teach our kids. Because it's easier to say, if you do this, you're bad. And if you don't do this, you're good. It's easier to say that. 
It's more black and white that way. But it's not the gospel. And it's not the truth. What are you trying to get your children to understand? What are you trying to get them to possess? A heartfelt desire for Jesus. That is faith. That is transformative. That is salvific, meaning it will bring about salvation. And that is what God desires. We would, we would tell our kids that. God desires the heart. He wants your heart. But then we tell them, how do, you, how do you give God your heart? You live the right way. For those of you with older children, and I don't want to be rude, but how many of them have walked away from the faith? Because possibly looking back on it now, you taught them a kind of faith that isn't even biblical. I want Bryce and Reed and Parker to love Jesus. I want their hearts to swell with an affection for him that comes only from him. We love God because he first loved us. Jesus makes it clear, all the rest of that stuff, the wise choices, the good behavior, the sound doctrine, that all flows from that heart. You can't have that stuff if you don't have the heart. So that's where we start, folks. That's the practical. Teach your children and show your children how to have a pure and raw affection for Jesus. That's the school they need to learn from, and they're going to learn best from seeing it from you. There's plenty of people that are going to help you along the way, but it's got to be modeled by you first. God calls sons and daughters to be submissive to their mothers and fathers. Let's talk to the kids, right? Let's, talk, let's kind of flip it around. Kids, you listening? Okay, take the hat off, the parent hat, put on the kid hat here. Here we go. Verse eight again. Hear my sons, your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Solomon warns of two common rebellions. Number one, not listening at home. Children, if you're listening and you don't think that your parents have a clue what they're talking about, you are probably wrong. Listen. Submit. Allow yourself to be instructed by your parents. Glean from them. Learn from them. Understand that they're human and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to fall way short. But see in them, see in them the beauty that is the Lord and how he's given you these parents for a purpose. Remember, he's bigger than you. He knows better than you. And even if they're messed up, they are there for a purpose to teach you about him. So listen. The second common rebellion is to forsake or forget to apply what was taught to you when you're far away from home. What's the scariest thing for a parent? Letting their kids out the door. Why? Because they can't control what they're doing. What do parents have to do? They have to trust that they instilled in their child enough. What do children need to do? They need to apply what they were taught. And don't take the first opportunity to run and go a different direction, thinking there's got to be something better on the other side. You are currently in rebellion, thinking that what my parents taught couldn't be real. The world says there's so much more. Can I just tell you that the emptiness you feel is because you've run so far away? The grass is not greener. There is nothing better than Jesus. It's not ideologic. That's heartfelt. Talk to anyone who's seen it all and then decided to come back. That journey was not worth it. The journey wasn't worth it. 
There is a promised reward though, verse nine. This is, this is beautiful. It says, indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and an ornament or ornaments about your neck. Now, the word indeed there literally means because, and they are fathers and mothers. So because fathers and mothers have taught you their teachings are like a wreath upon your head and ornaments around your neck. Now, Solomon lived long before the Greek Olympiad, but can you picture that the first Greek games, all of the champions in their robes, what did they, what did they possess? They had a wreath upon their head and they had medals or ornaments around their neck. The instruction of the father and the teaching of the mother are like gold medals that you wear proudly. Children, wear your medals proudly. Your coaches worked hard with you to allow you to possess them. So wear them and show them off in the way that you daily live out the reward of having been instructed and taught by godly caring fathers and mothers. It's a reward. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. So what do I want you to do? If you know that wreath and those ornaments that I'm talking about, I want you to tell your parents, thank you. Today, I want you to engage in a spiritual, beautiful, and profound conversation where you pull your mother and father or one of them away and you say, thank you so much for imparting this on me. These are prizes that I get to wear every day. Todd, I can't do that. My parents are gone. It's Mother's Day. I don't get to say that to my mom. She's not here. So as I wrote that line, it made me sad. But then I realized something. If you know about that wreath and those ornaments, if you know about that, if you feel that, and there's gratitude in your heart, do you know what else you can do? You can thank God for that. If you don't have a mama to call today, you can thank God for those because he was ultimately the one who bestowed them upon your mom who could then bestow them upon you. So today I'm grateful to God in hopes that maybe he'll let my mama know how thankful I am for the way that she taught me. Now, for those of you who go, I don't have the wreath and I don't have the ornaments because I have parents that stunk. What do I do today, Todd? Just get depressed? Thanks. Thanks for that uplifting message. I, I have one challenge for you, not even encouragement. I'm sorry. I, I am but it's a challenge. Break the cycle. Break the cycle. Be the father or the mother that your father and mother were not. Be the father and mother that understand the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Be the father and mother that impart that heartfelt desire for the Lord upon their children that live out their faith on a daily basis and provide a nurturing and structured environment where your children will learn the Holy Scriptures Grab a foundation that when they leave their house, they will not walk away. Break the cycle. Because remember the promise. Proverbs 22, verse 6. 
Start your children off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. We cannot forget that promise, that the instructing and the teaching that we are doing in our homes comes with a promise. You put in the work now, and when your child does walk out the door, they will not depart from what you've imparted in them. Now, some of you are saying, Todd, that's not my story. I have adult-aged children who I instructed and I taught, and they are no longer walking with the Lord. What in the world is going on here? Well, I want to let you know this. If you truly did, if you truly did impart in them a heartfelt desire for Jesus, which we call faith, if you modeled that for them, this promise stands true. So what I would encourage you to do today, as hard as this phone call may be, is to call that son or daughter and say, babe, I love you. Will you please put on the wreath and the ornaments? I spent years teaching and instructing you, trying to help you see God. And there's a reward that comes with that that you're not cashing in on. And that conversation may come with a lot of tears, but there's a promise backing you up parents. It's a promise that if you did the work, that child will come back. How cool would it be if that child came back today? Came back to the faith they once had, came back to the faith they never knew, but you did the work, you imparted it in them. I challenge you, challenge you to have that conversation. Now is Mother's Day, so let's celebrate Let's celebrate moms. Let's celebrate the goodness of God and and how he has created this structure. And even if the structure that you currently have doesn't look anything like this, then let's celebrate the fact that we get to repent and try again. That's, That's the grace of our God. It is a great day to celebrate mom. It's a great day to celebrate God. And I want to do that. Mothers, I want to do that with you. Children, I want you to honor and thank your mothers and your fathers for what they've imparted in you. And I pray that we as a church will create homes that look like this, that model this faith so that our children will grow to know and love Jesus. Father, I pray today as we celebrate mothers that you will give to each of them grace sufficient for all their needs, that they will walk in joy today, knowing Lord that there are promises they can stand on for their children. I pray that today for those who are hurting, you would give them peace and hope because maybe today is a very difficult day. Give them that peace, Lord, that they need to weather this message, to weather the storm, Lord. Give them that peace and that hope. We delight in you. We thank you for our mothers. And we ask Jesus that you will take us mortals and do something supernatural through us and through our children. We love you. We thank you for mothers, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.